And it's Tuesday. You know what that means. The dice are screaming or coming at you. Oh. Run and hide. Or gather your dice and stick around because we're talking about stuff tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, stuff. And things. There yeah. will also be things. It's important to make that note. There will oh, also yeah, be things yeah. in addition to stuff. I, I totally <laughs> forgot about stuff. So we're uh, here at Casa de Patton here podcasting to you live. Well, it's recorded live. And... <laughs> With a live studio audience of one puppy and several kitties. Yep. <laughs> and a peach. Oh, that's right. We cannot forget the peach. The peach. So, it's our 42nd episode. Yeah. 42. I believe that's the answer to the meaning of life. All right, so... I'm you... still not sure what the heck the question is, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I'm... should have asked for the question to life. Yeah. 42. You know, <laughs> I totally get it. So... Here it is, Christmas, and we're doing our Christmas giveaway. Actually, it's just a happy giveaway, but it coincides with Christmas, so we'll take it. But, uh, you know, you run around with that Crown Royal dice bag, and it's getting a little frayed, or that tube sock's looking a little threadbare. Yeah, if the if the bottom of that Croyal, Crown Royal bag is uh, starting to look uh, a little translucent, uh, you can see through it to the uh, dice within. Eh, maybe you want to change it up a little and try something newer, and... Uh, Certainly more decorative, uh, but not wanting for sturdiness either. Right. Uh, my wife, uh, Crafty Dragon Say, that's Crafty Dragon, S-A-E. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram. All one word. Yep, all one word. Uh, she's making a crocheted dragon egg dice bag. And it holds about 70 dice, although little teeny tiny dice, not recommended for it. They will fall through. But it stands up by itself, and it's a one-of-a-kind thing. Each one is unique in its own pattern. So, you don't want to do the little baby six-siders, but pretty much anything else is fine. Yep, if you can uh, spare some time to look over our previous podcast, go to our very, very first one. And we're not going to tell you the name, because we want you to look. But it's episode zero, not episode one. Put that on our Facebook page at The Dice Are Screaming. The title of our very first episode, find us on Facebook, slap the name of the title down, and you will be included in the dice roll-off that is forthcoming, and yep. which will decide who is the victor. Who, indeed. Who claims the booty? That's right. So, you got till Friday, so get it in there. Plenty of time yet. Make sure you get your chance to win a free dice bag. So... We've done that. And yeah, also... no shipping and handling charges. We don't need your credit card number. Just, you know, uh, when we have determined the winner, uh, we will announce it likewise on the show, and we will seek that person out and request their address. Uh, since I ship out a lot of things anyway, off it will go. Complimentary. That's right. So With love, even. Yeah, so, you know, get yourself in on that drawing. Can't hurt, right? Um... But we're going to get on to tonight's topic after covering just a few more brief messages about the good friends at the OSR and other gaming communities. The Wheel or Woe podcast, which is doing the Pathfinder playtest. Those cats are out there. Make sure you check them out at Wheel or Woe. Just look them up on any of the most prevalent social media platforms and they'll direct you right there. Oh, and I got a hello from the nice folks over at Dark Era RPG, so I want to clap back. Hey, how you doing? Good to hear from you. 
uh, doing their uh, kind of an X-Files-esque groove or a dark era RPG. Wow. Uh, yeah, I didn't know some neat reading. Yeah, that's cool. So, you know, a lot of good stuff happening on uh, the Podverse and also the Pod Potter and Family here at Anchor. And uh, as always, you know, Chuck Thorne, how you doing? And Larry Hamilton, hey to you, buddy. That's, uh, I'm being careful not to follow you. Because we might die. I am keeping tabs on you. Mm. So. <laughs> as well as old man Grognard, older than you will ever be. And he's at Radio Grognard. As well as Tenkar, Eric Tenkar, Tenkar's Tavern. Uh, always checking out stuff and keeping on top of the comings and goings in the OSR. And uh, Tim Shorts. Tim Shorts at Beautiful, beautiful Gothridge Manor. Stately. Faint air clove. Yeah, we're going to be doing some call-ins one of these days when we get some chance. And, uh, you know, time's just one of those things where we don't have time to sit down. And we only have one minute on the uh, podcasting, so. so. I know. It really does not. Uh, that harsh limit has really got to go someday. Yeah, it's, I know. You know, it just does not work when you've got two boneheads calling in instead uh, of just one. Oh, <laughs> it was If it was just one of us, it would not be nearly so bad. But... Yeah, judging by the fact that our 15-minute podcast almost a week later became a 30-minute podcast. Uh, yeah, we're not well-suited for this whole limited time No, we just tend to ramble on. So we appreciate that. And uh, <laughs> I also hope you have any comments, questions, concerns. Just uh, feel free to either contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or any of the normal places that you can find us hanging out. Or just send us a message on Anchor. You know, download the Anchor app and you can leave a uh, message as well. So, well, that uh, business done, we're now going to turn to the topic. So, what is our topic tonight, you might ask? Oh, oh, that most vaunted of topics. That, that one nearest and dearest to my heart. Music, which, like, literally makes my heart beat. I, I love music. Mm-hmm. So, I am finally ready for the Bards episode. You ready for the Bards episode? I am so ready for the you Bards episode. You ready for the episode. Bards episode. Well, I'm glad you're ready because you're going to have to wait. What? But, but... I, my, I don't want to hear but, no buts. You know, the kimono is... Tied clothes, we put a zip tie on it. You, but my body is ready. Well, you know what? Your body may be ready. But I don't think this podcast is ready for Bards yet. Oh. Uh, however. At least let it be something cool. It will be something cool. We're talking about a prevalent theme in role-playing games today. We're going to get very serious. Very, very serious. We're going to talk about racism in D&D. Okay, you know, racism as applies to like playing various races in D and D, uh, and we're just kind of—is this it'll... about my deliberate punting of gnomes? Yes, it, wow. it does have something to do with it. But uh, we talk a lot about the uh, older mechanics of the game and uh, the older editions primarily. And we honestly, we really do beat up the the core elements of the original game I, because we love them. You know, yeah. those are, it's just a note that we hit over and over again because those things which are considered classic became that way while we were playing, you know, and that those things are special to us. So it's nice to lay aside a little extra time for the stuff that might be slipping through the cracks that uh, may have gotten forgotten. Yeah, and one of the big changes was, and this does apply to all editions, is different races outside of the core. Now, of course, we know about elves, half-elves, half-orcs, gnomes, halflings, and dwarves. And we've even talked about elves and dwarves. And we love you, elves, dwarves, and hobbits, I mean halflings. But 
Tonight we're going to talk about some of the off-key races and some of the reactions that it gets. And uh, we do want to caution uh, listeners that although we're talking about racism in an abstract uh, manner about how it's handled in-game, we're not in any way talking about real-life racism, which is a little bit out of our wheelhouse anyway, and out of the purview of this podcast. But we are going to touch on some subjects that can, of course, be utilized in such ways. And we're just starting the disclaimer off with that is not our intention. Yeah, that what we're trying to highlight is the challenges that are unique to playing a character race that you don't often see, okay? And it is terrific to make that an element of play. Uh, and this can be handled delicately or clumsily. Uh, you know, it, it's another person's decision as to how they handle it in their game. That's, that's for each DM to decide on their own. Uh, but when you run uniquely different character races, races that are so fantastic and out of the ordinary, uh, that if they aren't placed in a truly extraordinary campaign where the fantastic is commonplace, they really stand out. Uh, they may garner acclaim, or they may inspire abject terror. Uh, and now, we, we touched on that with regard to Drow, but you know that's in the, the traditional elf category yeah. still. These are far different races we're going to be discussing today. Uh, and we are going to go right straight to the beginning, as we always like to do. It all started back when... No, okay. So, <laughs> cave wall paintings and stone miniatures aside. Uh, originally in 1st edition, when I became aware of other races being played as player characters, it was the... Avriel, the winged folk out of Dragon Magazine. They were winged elves, primarily, um, who had really all the unique ability to fly. They had wings. And mind you, at that time, there were no player character races anywhere to be found in the regular races uh, for the game that had the ability to fly out of the gate. Okay, because that's... There's a game balance issue there where the DM likes to challenge people and, you know, for want of a fly spell, many a player character has had to wade neck deep through traps and trouble. So it was quite a big thing. It made a big splash to, to some of us who read that Dragon article and went, Wow! Winged Elf! Yeah, and they were pretty cool. They uh, were... New Elf with wings. And for so, extra protection. Yeah, and so, you you know, you could ignore pit traps and a lot of other, uh, you know, Oh, you gotta get across this, you know, rickety wooden bridge. No, I don't. I just fly across. Hey, you know, they did. <laughs> it was a little bit of a game changer. But we're not so much about the uh, the mechanics of flight. Although that we will touch on that for another subject for another time. Hint, hint. What we are talking about is the appearance of a winged elf and how unusual that is. And certain DMs at uh, the local uh, gaming groups that we frequented felt some of them were, uh, you know, that they would cause a strong reaction in people. And, you know, and also a lot of the people came up with the idea, well, suddenly out of nowhere this race just appears. Well... You know, we all have to take it into consideration that whenever you include a new magic item or a spell or even a monster, you know, it just, it's kind of common core accepted that those things just kind of appear out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, yeah it's always kind of been there, but why didn't you see it before? Well, yeah, so you just never encountered it. We're talking about retroactive continuity, that uh, when there's an alteration in the rules of the game, 
uh, you retcon it in. It, it's got to become a part of the game, part and parcel, and you treat it as though it has been a part all along. Uh, and that's a normal thing for any DM to do as new materials and supplements come out. Uh, so neither of us were ever able to figure out why it was that some people got caught on that stumbling block. Yeah. Like, if it didn't exist last week, then it will never exist for a million years, or it's a shock to the system that terrifies and horrifies everybody. Oh, come off it. Uh, that is just foot-dragging to me. Yeah. Okay? And I mean, you, you can justify it any way you want. Oh, yeah. But retconning is already an established yeah. practice in every facet of the game, in every edition. Uh, you know, these things happen. New material comes out, you include it in a supplement, you phase it into your game, and it's treated like it was there all the time. And that's why would that stop being the case other than sheer stubbornness? So I, I have no explanation for that at all. Um, one of the ways that was presented to me was how to play it is you encounter them for the first time. That was how it was uh first uh, approach in the uh, original article is that this race has been around, they're just kind of hidden, and so a way to include them in your campaign world, if you're interested in including them, that is, is that your players come across them, and then, you know, somebody can now retire a player character and get a new one, or generate a new one that's lost. Hmm. And that was a good way of doing it. Uh, sort of like, you know, this is the grand unveiling of a new race or uh, class. Yeah, in my current campaign, I, I actually did employ a clause much like that, except that I required it for almost all of the demi-human races. Uh, you know, that the halflings, elves, dwarves, and gnomes were all locked categories that people could not access until they had had encounters with those peoples. Uh, and during the course of gameplay, they finally began to encounter elves and dwarves and gnomes and halflings one by one. And as that happened, I unlocked those categories and then people could select those for new character races to play. Uh, and this is just, you're talking about exercising the exact same principle. For right. And it was originally proposed more that way in the article. Is that's how you could introduce them if you so wanted or you could just let it go. Yeah. Now, we move the... Uh, hands of time forward, as we magically do, tick, 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 tick. And we come up to the Arnith Arcana, which then allowed Drow and Sir Neblin to be used as player character races, along with Duergar. And suddenly, you know, the D&D gates got a little wider, as more people could choose a wider variety of player characters. And some people felt that, you know, okay, Drow are hideous monsters that terrify people at night, so why would you even have one of these in your party? And... Then this guy, R.A. Salvatore, came out with a book called... Uh, Drizzt Doerden. Yeah, and, uh, with the... Well, it wasn't Streams of Silver, it was uh, Goodness. I've forgotten his first yeah, book. Yeah, I've forgotten his first book, is he's had so many. So. Although Streams of Silver was good. But, uh, yeah, it, you saw this popularized as somebody who is a brooding, dark character that uh, comes from a tragic background and has chosen to cut their own path into the world, uh, despite the you know, crippling hatred that other people, you know, feel for them uh, on mere sight. You know, yep. carrying the weight of other people's uh, vindictive attitudes uh, and overcoming them through sheer excellence. Now, uh, that having been said, uh, the drow were not the end in the beginning of it. The inclusion of Dwergar, uh, Spurf Neblin, and other races meant that 
under-Earth campaigns were so much easier to undertake because you had, here's this series of character races that are largely unknown on the surface world and maybe, you know, strange-looking and unfamiliar and, you know, a little off-putting. But if your DM wanted to run an under-Earth campaign, these set your players up well to perform really well uh, in the Underdark. Yeah, and, you know, later um, expansions into the last part of 1st edition and into 2nd edition began to open up even more options for players. Uh, Dark Sun had malls and half-giants. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten about the half-giants in Dark Sun. I never played one of those. Yep, and uh, Thrycreen. Oh, now, see, I loved the Thrycreen uh, all the way back to, um, was that a Monster Manual 2, or was that... That was a Monster Manual 2, yeah, okay. they came up. They're kind of like the Freints from Arduin Grimoire. And uh, the Choja from uh, Jenny Wirt's uh, Daughter of the Empire. Yeah. Uh, these insectoid creatures who were... Mantis folk, yeah. Yeah, incredibly competent warriors and skilled uh, skilled vine workers with certain items, but could not craft other things. They were the Chuck Norrises of the player character race because they never slept. Yeah. They waited. And uh, other memes aside, uh, <laughs> Green, you know, and Half Giants were kind of more monstrous than what had come before, if you discount the thing about Drow. But well, we're not going to belabor that anymore. Um but in Dark Sun, they were perfectly accepted. Um, they were half-breeds of the giants and uh, dwarves. And the Thrykreen were their own race with their own values and society. And so they were given a different type of uh, society and reaction that, you know, well, they're a little strange looking, but nobody lost their literal cookies over them. So... They went on to become quite accepted in the dark, and a popular race in the Dark Sun. But they didn't translate well. But in 2nd edition, you had another campaign setting, which was Planescape, which introduced uh, yes. the Tiefling and then the Asmiar. And uh, yes, the Asmiar and Tiefling both became a staple. Uh, they, they went from mere partial inclusion to yep. uh, widespread acceptance in the 3rd and later editions. Yeah, now we get into 3rd edition, and then we start seeing the most divisive yeah. type. Oh, you want to say something? What was the most divisive type? Uh, I think the most divisive type is what I'm going to cover, but why don't uh, you go ahead with what you were going to add? I wanted to make a special note that uh, the typling is one of the things that we're talking about where it is possibly completely justifiable to have a DM say there was a negative reaction to your character solely on the basis of their appearance and their race. Uh, because something literally marked by hell... Uh, or lower uh, planes. It yeah, could be Gehenna, it could be Tuteris. Yeah, uh, hell or you know, yeah, an yeah, abyss. Uh, you know, any of the various negative planes. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's that little whip of brimstone as you walk by, and they're like, oh, geez. You know, are there cloven hooves there too? Yep, you know? and a tail and, and horns. You know, very likelihood eyes. drifting towards the more chaotic and evil alignments does not generate strong, trusty, good feelings. Uh, but this was an example of a character class that right from the get-go has a strike against them. Yeah. Uh, that people are prepared. They're, they're set from the, the beginning to treat them differently 
and to treat them with suspicion that you would normally associate with, say, for instance, drow. Oh, or half-orcs. Which was the more classic example. And the half-orc, uh, yeah. who were often seen as, you know, cruel, savage, and violent. Uh, but occasionally useful when you want large things slain. Yep. You know, so um, a lot of people who play typings were drawn to them because they're dark, they are mysterious, and they do evoke not just a strong negative reaction, but they also carry with them a hint of fear for that which they come from. And, you know, so they were taken in, and 2nd edition came and went, and then 3rd edition came along, and they introduced a new race uh, option for a lot of people. It was very, very popular for a long time. Almost got out of control was the Half-Dragon. Oh. Now 5th edition and 4th edition call them Dragonborn, and they're still around, of course. But so many DMs get uh, on a high horse about their the abilities of an appearance of a Half-Dragon that... that Literally, the town guard will mobilize, um, oil will be pitched at you, oh, people will shut their doors because you what, look like a dragon. What that really means is that, despite the fact that this is now a normal thing in the game, uh, that that DM is of the, you know, the opinion that that is not part of the real game, and that therefore I will punish and discourage you for even thinking to play such a thing in my campaign world. And that's now, exactly what we're trying I to talk am about. Not cool with that. Okay, now I will admit hesitantly that I occasionally drift into the category of crusty old gamer dude who's like, "That's not the way we did it in my day," and I, I'm, I know that this is a part yeah. of me. Yeah, but it's, it's a piece of who I am, and it's because of how much I enjoyed the the game at its onset. I I, I look back and I cherish the basic and expert sets that yeah. you know, we cut our teeth on. Uh, I, great modules like Castle Amber, which mm -hmm. like what a acid trip of, oh. of an adventure. We can do a whole episode on Castle yeah. Amber, and that's a story for another time. But the the fact was. I had this profound and lasting love for the, the game as I first discovered it, and I understand and I empathize with that. However, what I said about retconning still holds true. And it seems a little callow to have this new edition of the game come out, and like it's pretty clearly spelled out that while these aren't like a dime a dozen, this is a thing that people encounter on a regular basis. It should not generate some hysterical reaction unless you travel to some distant nation of Stone Age persons who have never, under any circumstances, seen a dragonborn before. Okay, they might react with fear and hostility, but it, it's inexplicable that in a major campaign setting uh, that a thing that is known to happen and, you know, other heroes have walked the streets uh, with this background before, it is inexplicable to try to characterize it as somehow, you know, like, no, all those other exceptional things, those are normal. But this exceptional thing, oh, man, that's that's terrible. Yeah, just, oh, please stop. You know, yeah, and ludicrous. the main part is, is, of course, that if you choose to limit Dragonborn or Typhlings or any other race in your game, don't do it so that you make the players feel unwelcome or unwanted with their options. After all, it is a game for the players to craft heroic personas. And whether or not that fits as a DM into your scheme of things is for you, of course, to set those expectations. What I do a lot of times is I, if I have about six players, I'll allow about 
half of them to choose non-standard races, and I rotate it pretty routinely. Yeah, I, I my old rule uh, for this was uh, try to keep it down to just two of whatever in the party. You know, a couple of fighters. Yep. Uh, you know, a couple of clerics, a couple of mages, a couple of thieves. But likewise, with the uh, backgrounds, you know, all right, a couple of dwarves is fine, a couple of elves is fine, a couple of halflings is fine, a couple of humans is fine. Uh, but exceptional backgrounds, just one or two, you know, just keep it down to uh, a moderate yeah. level. And that's uh, what... But I don't really prohibit much of anything. I think that's what most people... Um, reasonable expectation is if you want, but there are times to just let your hair down and just say, Hey, play a whole party of dwarves or gnomes or halflings, or it's all non humans, you know, oh, yeah. and just let it go. Uh, I got to encourage experimenting with uh, campaign settings because getting out of the familiar vibe sometimes is just an amazing, refreshing experience, both as a DM and as a player. I love to get like outside the traditional box. Uh, do something you haven't seen before. Uh, well, we spoke of undersea campaigns. Yeah. And when the, you include things like uh, the Avariel, the Winged Elves, or the Arakakra, uh, the Bird People. Yep. Uh, you know, it starts opening doors for things like aerial campaigns. Uh, you know, which yeah. we'll, we'll probably cover something like that in a later episode that's very specific to the topic of aerial campaigns. But accepting the idea of these other non-human races into your campaign is just, that's the benchmark. It opens the door for all of these other right. fantastic possibilities. And as I was going to say with Pathfinder, they have the Advanced Races Guide, which allow more Winged Folk-like strikes and uh, even more crazy creatures that you normally wouldn't see. And those are good to salt your campaign with and let players decide for themselves what the composition of their party is going to be as long as your parameters are expected or set with the expectations of players in mind. Yeah, if you've got players that work well together and that keep in touch regularly, you know, you can hand it off to them and say, guys, work it out for yourselves. You know what my limitations are. Like, I'm not going to have, like, uh, you know, it's an all-drow party, uh, you know, in the surface world. You know, if you're all hooked on one cool idea at the same time, you're going to have to work it out amongst yourselves. But if you have a party that does not spend a lot of time communicating with each other... It does fall on you as the DM. Take a little time out. Uh, help customize it for somebody. And know? if your players come to you and say they want to play an old draw party, well, you know, here. Uh, yeah, I mean, if they all come to you at once with something like that, if they've got, you know, like, it's six dragonborn uh, or six drow. You know what? I mean, kudos to them. I mean, if they're all on board with this and this is the thing they want to do. I guess we're going to Dragonland. Yeah, uh, customize your campaign around that. Um you know, make them come out of a place that is like the epicenter of, uh, you know, draconic half-breeds that have begun to flow into outward lands. And, you know, maybe they're escaping from an evil priesthood that has taken over their nation, you know. Um, yep, or, you know, the ever-popular fight between Bahamut and Yeah, embroiled uh, in, in the politics of uh, draconic uh, and likewise, uh, like with Mike Engine the Underdark, also the Planescape revisit for yeah. if you've got a lot of planar creatures. But never be afraid to let players include something unusual. If you feel it inhibits your campaign with some types of different creatures that you're not on races you're not comfortable with, you know, put a little kibosh on it and say not in this campaign, but listen to your players. And that's all it's about. And the most part is, of course, maybe we come out a little strong on the side of don't 
stop players from playing things. I will say that one of the things is Dragonborn or the Half Dragon template got way overused and it almost became... It was like every party had like two or three Half Dragon characters and that was just a little too much. They are powerful and there were limitations for them, but unfortunately one of the problems was is that Player uh, dungeon masters especially tended to use the strong negative reactions. Oh, there's a dragon on it creature running around. Well, we all know dragons are terrifying creatures. And like Mike said, that's kind of foot dragging and lazy DMing. Yeah, you, you know perfectly well that they've you know, entered this in a new edition of the game and that it is written as pre-assumed that this is part of the, the world. This is a thing that has happened before. It did not spring from the head of Zeus just this morning. Uh Get to that point emotionally first. It, it's it's <laughs> yeah. there. It's been there before. However, if you want to curb it, uh, you may choose to exercise your own limitations. Mm -hmm. On like, if you feel that it's an OP race where this is way too much power uh, for a beginning campaign. Now that that is an argument I am happy to hear because I, yeah. I I can be hawkish on the subject of any one player having more power than all the other players combined. I don't consider that an acceptable thing. So some handicaps sometimes have to kick in. Uh, at least until the other players are higher level and you're all doling out a similar degree of threat. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, tweak this or that. Nerf this or that. Exercise your discretion as a DM. Don't be shy about that. It's your power. Use it and make it so that you can not just be trapped with, uh, we use only these proscribed things from the original texts. No other dogma is permissible. No, 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 no. Use it in defense of the imaginative and the out there and the fantastic. Because, I mean, honestly, the out there, the fantastic, and the imaginative is the root of D&D. Exactly. And, you know, people like to play vampires in... Uh, I'm just saying, like in 1979 in Mom's basement, you know, we popped open a book and, all right, things are about to get weird. But, yeah, yeah, they did. And that uh, certainly happened. Ardwin Gamora showed that. You could play bolo tanks for crying out loud. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah not, not every idea is a great one. No, but, yeah. you know, uh, Franks <laughs> did come from it, and I did like those. Also, uh, Talisman is one with a lot of unique races, especially those with Plinus. So check yeah. out Talislana, man. Oh, Talislana was great. I really missed that. Really yeah, that's a great setting. And uh, uh, just really... Uh, and remember, Ducks and RuneQuest? Yeah, Ducks yeah. and RuneQuest. Yep. Yeah, the Duck people. You play Dark Trolls, too. Oh, man. And Paul, I don't think Paul was ever happier than, like, my duck is named Howard. Yeah. Oh, dude. Again, Again really? really. Like every duck, they're all named At Howard. least I made mine Black Mallard. Howard the Eighth. Yeah. So, um, a discuss quick little discussion on the end of this topic is, is that, well, we've walked over the path pretty well. Let players uh, have some fun with races, for crying out loud. Uh, if you feel like they're cramping your style, put some limitations on it or talk to players and see what they want to do. They're fine playing the old classic ones. Well, hey, that's great. But, you know, yeah, I love those too. <laughs> like playing a vampire, uh, the Damphir in uh, Pathfinder has been a rather eye opening experience for me. And I thought that was rather cool that that was an option. So, you know, yeah. again, once you get behind some of these ideas and you see how much they open up, you really get that creative flex in your DM muscle again. And no. you also are able to think out of the box. Plus, like you said, 
not to dominate the conversation, but you just said when you first opened that book, it was like anything was possible. Here it is again. It, anything is possible. You know, you want a goblin alchemist? Yeah, I guess you can get, have one. Oh, yeah. The, my, my example for explaining the fantastic and its appropriate place in D&D uh, the the exceptional, the weird, the out of place, the unusual. Go through your old DM guide and find the swords and sorcery or six guns and sorcery pages covering the conversion for weapons damage from Boot Hill to AD&D, uh, you know, or examples of what a weapon of different types might do. Um, the game literally coming out of the gate was designed for people to take it and run with it, to get weird, if you wanted to, if that was your thing. So, uh, to characterize that nothing fantastic or new or unusual or, or homebrewed has any place in it, that's antithetical to the actual, you know, con the actual text of the game itself. I mean, it did DM Guide Edition 1, first edition, pretty much set the bar and said, yeah. hey... Not, not only is weird welcome, we love it. <laughs> yeah, and, and crazy. to go back and par paraphrase it, when, uh, in the DM's Guide, when they do talk about monsters as player character races, they were a little disparaging about it, and rightfully so, because a lot of players at that point in time wanted a player character race that w seemed to have a little bit more power than the others. There was always that jockeying, like, what race is the most powerful one? I'm going to pick that and make it my own. If I play a bugbear, that means that I start the game with, like, you know, three and a half hit dice. Uh, yeah, there, w there was, let's face it, okay, uh, we're gamers, we, we all know what happens. There's there's some rules lawyering there where, you know, the, the power gamer or the, the meta gamer uh, is crunching the numbers and coming up, you know, man, everybody else in the party could be killed by a single pit trap, but I can live through just about anything. Uh yeah, there's some of that. You got to nerf that as yeah, a DM. Yeah, and they even went to said that it would be nice for a one-off to let everybody play a monstrous race and have fun with that. But I've had fun like that. Oh yeah, times. we've had that from two, several. There was one in the dungeon magazines where you got to play like a troll and a bugbear and a, oh. some hobgoblins and goblin. Yeah, I've got the discs with the uh, antiquated dungeon. Oh magazines yeah, and dragon magazines. So it, it's the entire like the entire print run of both. Uh, yeah, I really got to go through the old dungeon ones for some inspiration. I think we it. actually have a physical copy of that, but that's a, for another time. Yes. Anywho, you know, uh, new races. Uh, it's a new edition of the game. It's fifth edition, and Pathfinder have been out for a long time now, and uh, you know they've opened the door to different at approaches. So don't um, while the, don't be afraid to occasionally throw a angry mob at your players. You know, over your half uh, dragon so, or half silver dragon uh, paladin, don't also make players afraid to play something new, because your game only grows better for the inclusion of more things. Yeah, I'm always interested in you know, like, uh oh, I, how do I put this? It's it's kind of like uh, if you're on a plane and. The parents next to you have an unattended toddler that gets out of its seat and is running up and down the aisles and then starts jiggling the emergency exit door handle while everybody's in flight. And there's there's a part of me that is like, ah, well, now we have rules for a reason. But there's another part of me that says, hey, you know what? I just kind of want to see where this goes. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you may learn something. So we find, may all learn something. Find a happy place between those two mediums. Yep. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, man. Yep. <laughs> but either way, we hope you enjoyed our rambling discourse on thoughts on the speed of a lightning bolt. And uh, we're going to end this with a little bit of my uh, soapbox on this is that I've gotten some feedback that says, oh, you're kind of like a stream of consciousness. And oh, you're exactly are. right. Yeah, you, you're so right. Which... Honestly, is kind of how we intended it. We just wanted to uh, ramble and have yeah, fun. Yeah, we did. We Laugh. just wanted to have fun. And uh, um, we do kind of do a, a very brief rehearsal of talking about points we want to cover and topics. And we forget half of them all the way through. Yeah, but we, we usually, like, just we rattle off a few bullet points five minutes before we start. And then most of them get covered. But we, we've dropped the ball occasionally. But in either case, you're right. It, yes, it is a stream of consciousness. And yeah. it's unrehearsed and it's unscripted and it probably always will be like this. This is a matched set of roughly 50-year-old brains that, you know, like at the best of times, are kind of like a spaghetti strainer. True. <laughs> and uh, they hold about as much water as a screen door in a submarine. So Yeah. Um, but all the disparaging remarks aside on self-depreciating humor, we don't really plan on changing what we're doing. And uh, we hope you enjoy it. Oh, and not radically. Uh, although, expect that we may do some surprises here and there. Oh, uh, we always throw some curveballs. Um, well, this is our typical format. And our you can guess that most episodes will be much like the one that you just heard. Uh, we've had some notions where we, we haven't really fleshed them out clearly because it's not really our style to, to like painstakingly flesh stuff out. But we've had some interesting new ideas that we just thought would be a fun change of pace and now uh, i'm not giving away the i'm not giving away the keys to the kingdom here so any surprises we got for the new year uh we will keep to ourselves until such time right and you know again to the detractors here i just want to wrap it up is that if that bothers you or you think that's a terrible thing you know hey uh i appreciate no, that I, i'm not gonna i get you know, that it's not everybody's back though yeah I mean, it's not everybody's bag and uh we're not really here to, you know, do anything other than he listen to ourselves rattle around. And uh, if we're that lonely, addle-brained professor who comes <laughs> back to a classroom that, that is, is bereft of students, I'm happy having at least once in a while somebody pass by and go, oh, that was interesting. So we hope you enjoy what we're doing. And if you don't, well, let us know why. I'm always yeah. interested. Criticism yeah. is welcome. And uh, we'll just keep on... Uh, I, am not wound- I am not spiritually wounded by some honest criticism. Not at does not harm me. So, so no worries, Mike. We are going to wrap it up. Just uh, once again, make sure that you check out Crafty Dragon Say. That's Crafty Dragon, all one word, just like it sounds. And Say, S-A-E, on Instagram and Twitter. And check out what my wife's uh, putting up there. The dice bags. If you don't win one of these dice bags, you can, of course, check her out on Instagram and uh, get a hold of her there or on Twitter. Send her a direct message and uh, let her know that you're interested in some dice bags and uh, we'll set you up with one. Uh, she does make these for sale. So uh, with that, also make sure you get onto our Facebook page. Put your name on there with the name of Episode Zero. It's Episode Zero. It's really our first episode, but that is the title we're our looking for. Our opening salvo. That's right. Well, it was more me, but hey. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that first round was uh, you giving was... the world a hello and a nod and saying, Hey... Guess what? How does this doggone thing work? This 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 thing is about to happen. I thought you should know. So. But anyway, it's coming up there. Happy <laughs> holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Yule, 
Yuletide greetings. I don't yeah, know. Festivus. all of the above. Whatever your family uh, does or does not do. And, you know, whatever uh, it means to you this time of year uh, as we draw to the, the close of the year and, you know, the, the long night of winter is upon us. Uh, this is the tradition that in almost every fashion on every corner of the globe, uh, everybody pauses for a moment uh, and waits for the light to come back. It's a moment of reflection, so it's very much a time of family and love and almost every faith on earth. So, for the faithful, the non-faithful, to all of you everywhere, we love you very much. That's right. We haven't met you. And thank you for all your support. And of course, with that, we'll bid you adieu. And may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya.